Hello and welcome to Sideload Edelman's Technology Podcast. I'm Elvina Sugan and today we're talking about how the UK can maintain its leadership position as a financial hub and how technology has helped raise its profile. We've got some really exciting guests today um, and together with them we're going to discuss the health of the UK as a financial heavyweight in the aftermath of Brexit, how it can position itself for the future and the role played by technology as a new breed of companies has arisen at the confluence of both finance and tech. I'm going to take a moment just to introduce our guests. Um, today I'm joined by Calypso Harland, who is the founder of MyForte, a new expert-led network set up to support fintech scale and grow. And she's one of the busiest people I've ever met. Um, she's also the founder of Fintech Fringe, an event launched during this year's On The Tech Week with the aim of supporting scaling fintechs. Um, and together with her, we also have Izichi Britton, who's the CEO of Center for Finance, Innovation and Technology, CFIT. Um, he's responsible for driving the UK's leadership as the global leader for financial innovation, seeking out opportunities to accelerate the growth of the fintech sector and unblock barriers. Calypso, as thanks so much for being on Sideload. Thank you. Great to be here. So it's no secret um, that the last few years have been quite tough for scaling brands, especially in the fintech space. Um, you know, the post-pandemic economy, Brexit, a turbulent political situation, high inflation, challenges in the tech sector. Some banks in the U in the US had a particularly difficult time at the beginning of the year. What was all this meant for fintech businesses operating in the current environment? As I'm gonna gonna start with you. Well, I mean, I think it's um, it's clearly been a challenging time, in, especially when we look at investment capital, we look at valuations, uh, we look at some of the, the challenges some businesses have had raising money and what that means going forwards. Um, but I think the thing we should be looking at is that even against that backdrop, the UK is still the second largest investment destination for fintech globally. We're ahead of the next 14 countries in the EU combined. And this was all as per the Innovate Finance report um, that was commissioned. Um, I think there's still a huge amount to be done. You're seeing fintech spin up all the time. And we've seen the UK really pressing ahead with a lot of the recommendations as per the CLEAF review in 2021. So um, CFIT was launched at the beginning of this year. We've seen the Mansion House Accords um, come into, well, they were signed a, a few months ago. And now we're seeing the FinTech Growth Fund, which has just been launched as well. So um, I think the key thing to to really focus on are the opportunities that we're now starting to really grasp and uh, push forwards with and the opportunities that creates from the FinTech sector in the UK to truly lead um, lead on a global scale when it comes to financial innovation. Oh, 100%. Um, and I think sometimes the, the reading around this can be quite pessimistic, but definitely um, there's almost as many initiatives set up to, to kind of propel this space forward as there are um, coverage of some of the challenges. So I think, you know, tides are definitely changing on that front. Um, Calypso, what, what about from your perspective from some of the businesses that you work with? Is there anything that you've sort of been hearing from them um, around some of the challenges and, and what's been difficult for them, this current environment? Um, 
Yeah, well, I'll, I'll actually kind of um, go back to, to, to the first question um, and, um, and, and, you know, kind of focus on, on you know, the emergence of, of, the, of the fintech sector as, as something that has um, really kind of buoyed the, the UK economy along. And I think, um, you know, kind of post like 2008 um, kind of crash, um, where we saw kind of interest rates slashed, um, you know, this really provided a, a lot of opportunity for fintechs to kind of start emerging and um, and having the opportunity um, to really um, start changing the face of, of how financial services were delivered and kind of access to um, uh, to capital, you know, um, was, uh, you know, a huge um, boost, you know, to, to this industry. I think, um, you know, kind of fast forward, you know, to kind of COVID times as you were, um, you know, uh, alluding to, um, yes, this was a very difficult period, but for the fintech sector, particularly in 2021, you know, we saw record, you know, fintech investment, you know, kind of during this period. Um, now we're seeing that all drop off and um, and lots of, you know, fintechs are struggling with getting access to capital. But, um, uh, you know, the capital is available, but I think, you um, you know, steadying kind of business models, you know, perhaps these are more um, realistic times um, to kind of temper out, um, you know, commercial models, you know, with various fintechs. So we had a kind of an unnatural kind of, you know, kind of situation, um, you know, kind of during the COVID era, which saw a lot of kind of fintechs blossom. But, you know, this is the period where now, things kind of even out and um and companies start to look at how they need to diversify their products and and how they need to kind of grow new audiences not just by focusing on on pure kind of user acquisition and single product focus so i think um many of the companies i'm you know speaking to are looking at how they diversify so they're not just relying on one you know kind of pool of customers so to speak so um and i I think there's just been a you know a a much more kind of slow and steady cadence you know rather than the kind of mad rush that there was kind of previously and but i think you know fortunate for the uk fintech sector there's a tremendous amount of support available and you know everyone rallying around to see how they can support growth of fintechs you know kind of in the uk cfit are a tremendous driver of that and other organizations innovate finance you know the fintech growth fund is as you know as was kind of mentioning so i i think it is a positive time but it's you know, also a time, you know, a lot of people have had to get real, you know, we've had a few things shake, shake the ship in this particular really like, last year. I was just going to say, I really like what you said about um, the inception of fintech, you know, it was kind of propelled and born out of a time of crisis. Um, so actually, you know, as an industry, it's quite well placed to, to kind of deal well in the face of resilience um, and we obviously saw that during the pandemic when the importance of digitization kind of came out um as a big as a big driver um but yeah i i think it's like you said i think testing times um but we're definitely seeing that um seeing the opportunities as well um so really interesting point and you know perhaps as you said this is this is more a time of resilience testing that resilience and building it for what's to come building longevity um, and kind of a maturation of the space. Um, so definitely, um, which brings me on to my next question, which was going to be, you know, we zoom out a little bit. Um, what do you think about the general perception and attitudes towards fintech 
And I'm talking about those both who work in the sector and those outside of it. You know, do you think that's changed now from say five or ten years ago? Well, it, you know, it, that's a really good question, and I think you've got to ask yourself firstly: do, Does do the general public even perceive fintech as a thing, or do they just hear about Monzo, Starling, um, PayPal? These are just services that they use to facilitate their lives in some way, shape, or form. Various, very few people out in the general public will consider, oh, I want to use a fintech product or I want to use a fintech. They, they just want to achieve an outcome, whether it's getting access to consumer finance, whether it's getting a loan, a mortgage, um, whether it's increasing their savings, whatever that may be, they don't typically go at it from the perspective of I need to use a fintech um, service. Whereas I think within the fintech space and within the uh, startup space, I think there has been a maturation um, within that sector, particularly geared towards more sustainable revenue models and growth models within that space, as well as moving beyond just payments, for example, as well, and lending and starting to expand into the wider area of that what fintech could really mean, you know, fintech as a service, embedded finance, distributed finance solutions, um, and the rest of it. So I, I think we've seen this really interesting transformation from uh, what, how fintech views itself to wide-scale adoption of fintech products, even though most consumers don't realize that's what they're doing. Um, and personally, what I expect to see as we go forwards is that trend to continue. I think it's getting harder and harder and harder to define what a fintech is today. Um, I often talk about fintech and fintech adjacent, for example. When you talk about fintech, do we include regtech, govtech? Um, do, do we include all those services who are trying to achieve something else but incorporate the payment solution? Maybe you're a prop tech company that has a payments facility that leverages open banking. Does that make you a fintech? Or does it make you a, a, a prop tech that leverages a payment solution in some way, shape or form? That's so, a debate I'm having on LinkedIn about um, embedded finance and whether it means that every fin every tech company is going to be a fintech company. Um, absolutely. The whole absolutely. conversation itself. Mm. Um, so well, yeah, think, so I'll hand over to Calypso. Well, I think um, uh, for me, it's about, uh, you've got this tremendous opportunity to uh, be a fintech enabled company, right? So if we look at, um, and I know Edelman focuses a lot on trust, and um, and uh, and I, I'm curious to um, see what your barometer says this year about um, about trust in in uh, in large banks and financial institutions. But um, there's tremendous amount of trust in in kind of um, in brands, and I think we'll you know we're definitely start starting to see you know quite a lot of movement as you know large brands you know, look to mobilize you know, their tribes um, around, you know, different products and services, including, including, you know, including access to finance. So um, there's a lot more trust with, you know, with these brands than there are with kind of large financial institutions. So, um, so I think, you know, we're, we've, we've, we're going to be seeing, you know, lots more kind of exciting developments on that front. For sure. Um, trust is a really, is a really big one, especially when you consider, like as said, that the average consumer doesn't typically think of fintech category as being something that's important to, to their lives. Um, 
just in the time that I've I've been working with fintech brands, I've definitely seen a shift towards that customer first model. I think definitely five years ago, there was a lot more focus on bits and bytes features, um, technical components that meant that you were out ahead of your competition. Um, And it definitely seems like there's a lot more thought going into the provision of those services. Um, the experience that the user is having, um, and I'm definitely seeing that from a marketing and communications perspective, that's that's something that's coming out stronger. Um, another thought is that increasingly, as this space um, grows and matures, I think the the nuances that made fintech fintech are kind of maybe not going away, but are as fintech matures. It's, it's less important. These are just businesses in their own right that need to form a really sticky relationship with customers, whether that's consumers or businesses. And so um, they're having to think about their comms um, in, in a much more sophisticated way. Um, and yeah, I think that's something that I've, I've seen um, amongst clients, um, which has been a really interesting journey because they're, they're moving from sort of having to be super agile and respond to, to changing needs from a month by month basis, especially when you're looking for funding and you're having to be much more, um, much more agile to more established businesses, the commerce functions, the marketing functions, these businesses are changing. Um, so yeah, that's definitely something that's been really, really interesting. Um, in that same vein, uh, one discussion that's come into question quite a bit, um, is in the aftermath of Brexit whether the UK remains a top hub for fintech on the world stage. You know, interested to get your thoughts on this. Do you think that's fair? Some of these these conversations, these kind of conceptions around, you know, whether UK fintech is still, or whether the UK is still the right home for fintech? So look, I think um, clearly there have been challenges um, in the aftermath of Brexit. I think the UK continues to hit to punch way above its weight in regards to fintech. As I said earlier, we're still number two for investment capital and investment volume in fintech globally. I think it's hard to say that we've lost our way when you look at that from that perspective. Um, I think certain activities and decisions that have been made in recent recent weeks and months have definitely helped make life a bit easier. Um, in regards to how we can continue to to run fintechs in the UK, attract the best talent, um, get access to global markets. And I think a lot of what we're seeing now, particularly with um, our activities in open banking, open finance, are absolutely grabbing the attention from a global scale. And everyone's looking to us and looking to see what is it the UK is going to do next and how can they follow from that perspective. So... The UK continues to to really do well in this space. Um, I think we have to be considerate of some of the challenges, and it's been very well publicised around our desire as a as a country to ensure we have more listings in the UK, to more make sure we get more scale capital into the UK. But that's why organisations like the FinTech Growth Fund have now been launched to start to solve for some of those key problems. And as long as we're continuing to look forward, continuing to move in that direction, continuing to innovate, continuing to build scalable models that can grow, be successful, drive consumer adoption. Um, and I think if we look at some of the activities that we're doing right now around open finance, about building out APIs that can be adopted globally, um, setting the direction of travel for a API-driven, data-driven 
uh, real-time financial ecosystem in a way that can be adopted around the world, which then gives us a global financial services ecosystem that we can plug into directly. I think you'll see that we'll continue to punch above our weight. Even things such as whether you like it or not in the crypto space. Look, we saw A16Z set up shop in London just recently with their crypto fund. Um, that's that's a major signal that the UK is very much um, open for business when it comes to fintech and is continuing to grow, continuing to drive. Um, and that is a message I just think we should make sure we continue to hammer home. I think it's become very fashionable to have a good old UK fintech batting. And um, particularly, <laughs> um, particularly this year, I've seen plenty of it. And um, and I guess um, I got a little bit hot under the collar about it and decided to do what I'm doing And uh, in, in response to that. But, um, you know, needless to say, you know, let's look at the data. Um, you know, I think we had like a 12 and a half billion of investment, um, you know, in the UK. Um uh, you know, kind of previous year, um, that was just like an 8% drop from 2021 um, um, compared to a global drop of 30%. Um, it's true, companies are looking at other um, expansion strategies, like uh, it's not just a clear cut choice to kind of, you know, go straight to the UK and use that as a lily pad. But um, they're considering other markets and and we need to be aware that, you know, other um, countries are, are vying for position and um, and building out their ecosystems in order to you know, provide that you know um, support to fintechs. So it's really, um, uh, but I think that that's a really positive and, and healthy thing overall for the fintech ecosystem because it means when we're sending fintechs to their markets that they're going to be well looked after. But um, but I think if you know signs like this keeps us competitive, you know it's um, it's important that we. Um, we don't lose pace, that we don't lose sight of um, kind of maintaining our position and that there's work to do. There's always work to do. So I think um, rather than kind of, you know, focusing on, um, you know, the few, um, you know, few pieces of news that um, are uh, may be construed as, as, as negative, you know, isn't helpful. I prefer a roll up your sleeves kind of attitude and go, okay, well, what can we do to fix it? And, um, you know, it'd be great to kind of, you know, you know, talk further about, you know, um, what we're all doing to, to try and, and, and make the UK a, a much better environment for both UKs coming into, um, fintechs coming into the UK, um, but also as, as as talking about this global fintech ecosystem, because the conversation is just not about what, what happens on this, on this uh, island. No, of course. And actually, one of the things that I think has come out of this is fintech fringe, right, Calypso? This, that's something that it, you've seen as a response to the need for kind of more collaboration, um, that's, that's really going to make the UK and other markets as well like a more attractive um, space for startups and scale-ups to, to see that they have support and they have the right resources. So I think as much as knowing that those resources are available in market, it's also having a strong network that can point you in the right direction, offer advice, offer support. Um, there is a real sense of community in, in London in particular and increasingly in other parts of the UK um, that things like fintech fringe um are helping kind of foster and make happen yeah i mean i um 
kind of started FinTech Fringe, um, kind of looking at how we could, you know, support overseas delegations of FinTechs coming into market with kind of access to, you know, practical insights about how it is to do business here. And, um, but we made that content relevant to kind of UK FinTechs as well. And I think, um, um, you know, it was, it was something a little bit different, you know, from, you know, the kind of content that gets focused on at other kind of FinTech events. You know, we're very much at kind of helping support, um you know, um, individuals and their functions about how they can move forwards and, um, you know, whether it's, you know, supporting, you know, know, someone who's commercial and trying to build traction with large financial institutions and and banks um, down to, you know, product strategists who's looking at planning their roadmap and and what they need to kind of consider next. So, um, so yeah, and providing that kind of instant family, that community and, and, you know, UK fintech is is one big family, really, don't, isn't it? As it's um, you know, <laughs> absolutely, like, um, where we're an incredibly supportive you know bunch and um and and very much kind of work hand in glove. So I think this is a, a really wonderful thing to be able to showcase you know to um to the rest of the world and and you know what a better time to do it than um than London Tech Week. Hundred percent. Um, we're going to continue the conversation about UK fintech. But firstly, let's remind ourselves what happened in the last episode of Sideload when we talked about the future of audience experiences. The good thing is that kids are kids and technology is just like second nature. It's really impressive, but not necessarily they know how it works and they know how to speak to it. They know how to use it. So I think it's on parents' hands to make sure their kids as much as possible. In the same way that I had to learn English when I was little, if I wanted to get a life here, if I wanted to live where I was born and and have a career, I had to learn English. We are in the exact same situation. If you don't learn to speak to a machine, as in, (laughs) not Alexa or, you know, as in write uh, machine code, then um, you're going to be limited. So I'm hopeful the next generation, they do love technology. They adapt very quickly to it, but we do have to make sure they know how to speak to it, tweak it, control it, <laughs> whatever it might be. You're listening to Sideload and up for discussion today is the UK's position as a leader on the fintech world stage. Our experts discussing this with us are Calypso Harland and Izichi Britton. Um, and we're jumping back to one of the big milestones in the UK's fintech history, which was the Khalifa Review in 2021. Ez, talk to me a little bit about this, because the whole premise of the Centre for Finance, Innovation and Technology was a key takeout of the Khalifa Review. Do you mind just telling us a little bit about you know, some of the center's early initiatives and perhaps your first-hand experiences working with brands in this space. Yeah, so I think firstly, it's important that we touch on uh, the Khalifa Review itself and what its key purpose was. So I think um, the, the Khalifa Review commissioned back in 2021 fundamentally was about identifying what is the prize on offer um, for UK fintech, and then ultimately, what are the barriers that are preventing that from taking place? And when we look at that, the three three key items that were on play that were to play for were largely around trade, jobs, and inclusion. And when you think about what were the barriers, it really came down to um, regulatory challenges 
access to scale capital, skills and talent, national connectivity, and then finally, international trade. And there was a chapter to each one of these things um, in the Cleave review. And there were a few key recommendations, one of them being a fintech growth fund to support on unlocking capital for scale-ups. And the other was to create a center for finance, innovation, and technology, or CFIT, whose role it would be to lead on actually really delivering the Khalifa review and fundamentally building coalitions across the ecosystem of key stakeholders in order to solve for some of these, these significant challenges were identified as per the review. So fast forward to where we are today, uh, we, we launched back at uh, the end of February. I came into the role in April. We've been running for the last six months. We've spun up the organization. We've been out there and um, focusing on what should be that first core challenge. We identified that. We decided that where we should really be focusing to begin with was around solving for access to SME finance and um, consumer financial awareness, which should be leading to greater adoption of fintech products in order to really help support both SMEs and consumers through some of the challenges they're experiencing as you know, we, we go through um, inflationary challenges, cost of living issues and, and problems around that, which ultimately feed into um, the revenue opportunities and growth opportunities for UK fintech and UK fintech adjacent firms. And the way that we decided we would do that is through leveraging open finance by accessing, creating um, greater access to either underutilized data sets or data sets who are completely unavailable historically by putting in place standardized APIs and really taking advantage of that fantastic open banking heritage that we have in the UK. How can we actually go create real products, real outcomes and real solutions for our uh, consumers, for our SMEs that create those uh, those ideal outcomes for them. And so that's really where we've been and what we've been focused on. And we launched that first coalition a few months ago. Uh, we've got well over 40 companies from across the UK involved in that. And I can, you know, just to name a few, this is not an exhaustive list, but we, we've got the likes of your Lloyds Banking Group, um, your HSBCs, your Revoluts, your Monzos, your Peridators, your credit cards, your um, AWSs, your IBM. So there's a wide array of organizations from across uh, the sector, including, you know, your credit bureaus, your experience, your Leeds County Councils, for example. So again, where CFIT really sits is that intersection between government, um, regulatory, academia, and uh, industry in order to bring all those players together to really solve some of these critical problems. And what we hope will come out of this first coalition is really a blueprint for open finance in the UK should be. Um, and how we can then take that forwards in order to, as I said, build on that great heritage that we now have in the open banking space and really start to lead the world in building out that um, journey to a, um open data future, ultimately. It's really exciting stuff because we've been talking about, you know, what was open banking and has now become open finance for as long as I think I've been in fintech. Um, so it's really exciting to see some of these initiatives take off and, and come to life and start to really offer a blueprint to consumers who don't really understand what open finance is, but but help them see what value 
some of these things could bring into their lives other than just find themselves, you know, checking boxes saying that, you know, a grant access to my data book without really understanding what the value is. So exactly that. And I think I'm, I'm really glad that you mentioned that because MasterCard put out a report that talks a lot about um, the amount of underutilized cash or dormant cash sat in consumer and SME bank accounts. And why is all right, why why is that money sat there? And I think um, they, they they calculated that something like one point two to one point five trillion um, for consumers, and a similar amount for SMEs. And these are funds that are based, that's the equivalent to half the pensions industry in the UK, by the way. You know, if you look at that three trillion that we have right there, that's not being utilised um, in a productive way for the UK economy. But why is it sat there? And it comes down from a consumer perspective uncertainty about their futures, uncertainty about the financial products that are available to them, uncertainty about their ability to qualify for them, and ultimately the need to save for a rainy day. SMEs have a similar challenge because access to SME finance is very restricted and heavily based on cash flow. What are their revenues um, and what's their liquidity position at this time? Um, and if you're a micro SME or a sole trader, actually you really struggle with getting access to some of those SME lending options because you're in essence, you're treated like a consumer. So even though you're running a business, you don't have the same access to the same financial products because again, you don't have the data to back up your financial position to be able to prove um, the provenance behind your business, which then gives you access to that funding. So when we talk about open finance and opening up these other data sets beyond simply bank account information. It's really about being able to create um, a wider pool of information to draw on in order to be able to give consumers far better understanding of their position, but also to give those financial organizations that are either providing those services or products or providing access um, to those finances a greater understanding of those end users so that we can get more inclusive products being sent out to the right people in order to unlock some of that latent cash that sat there dormant and start to drive productivity into the UK um, financial ecosystem. It's really exciting stuff. And for sure, data holds massive opportunity for the future of fintech over the next few years um, in the UK and beyond. But definitely, I think the UK has always been a bit of a leader um, when it comes to the regulatory frameworks and the technological requirements that need to accompany that sort of change um and on that sorry just just one last thing on i'm sorry no i'm loving this excitement it's really it's really important i mentioned this and i I absolutely agree with you i do think we have one of the most forward-thinking regulators in the country i'm sorry in the world and i think the recent edinburgh reforms as well have really helped with that in regards to the mandate that the fca now has around competition as well um, and the FCA are working very closely with us. We're very close. We're, you know, we're supported by the FCA and the activities that we're doing. Um, they provided a lot of access to their digital sandbox, their regulatory sandbox, and they're they're huge. They're, they're really bought into what we're trying to achieve here. Uh, and I, I cannot stress enough how valuable that is. And then when we look at the rest of the ecosystem as we work with the rest of the cluster bodies around the country, whether that's fintech Scotland, fintech Northern Ireland. FinTech Wales, FinTech West, FinTech North, SuperTech in Birmingham, and Innovate Finance as well. And by bringing all of these pieces together, it really allows us to maximize on the strengths that the UK FinTech scene and ecosystem has. 
on a personal level, I'm always, you know, as someone that's been working in fintech for the last sort of four or five years, I'm always really interested to find out what fintech means for others that have chosen to, to make it their career. You know, why is this an exciting space for you? And what is it about fintech that keeps you working and advocating for this sector? Calypso, do you want to go first on this one? <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure. Um, I'm a very kind of practical person and I'm very passionate at finding ways that people can do things more effectively, right? And, um, and my career um, has, you know, um, you know, kind of spanned, you know, more than two decades kind of working in tech, helping companies scale and grow. And, um, and being able to kind of take that insight and, and share it with others and, and help them understand, you know, some of the hurdles and the obstacles and the challenges that are ahead and being able to avoid that and, um, and realize their potential is, is just something that, you know, I feel incredibly passionate about. And, um, um, you know, I, I really feel like, you know, my role here is, is to serve and to help, you know, others on their journey and, um, and to try and make that, you know, as less lumpy as possible, I guess, you know, through access to the right support, access to the right experts, um, and helping them kind of navigate what can be perceived as, you know, quite a complex landscape. Um, but so demystifying some of that, helping companies to, you know, minimize risk, to minimize cost, um, you know, just through, you know, very kind of, you know, um, practical, pragmatic, um, you know, um, ways is, is, is something I, I'm very much kind of drawn towards. Um, and, uh, you know, fintech is, is, underlying and, and everything, right? You know, before we were talking about all of these different companies who are, you know, getting fintech enabled, but but at the end of the day, you know, this is, um, you know, all, all com- it's, the, it's the foundation, you know, for everything. So, you know, having a hand and in, in, in playing, um, having a hand and helping support um, organizations that are, are, are really transforming you know the bedrock of society is is incredibly exciting you know mm-hmm. it's transformational and um and i th- you know and i think that's you know really kind of represented in um you know in how much of the uk economy is, is supported by fintechs as well you know that it presents you know a significant you know proportion of gdp and um and just you know by numbers alone you know i think it it um it really kind of showcases why you know this is such an important um, industry to support the growth of and to remove barriers is 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 key to you know continuing that. As how are you going to top that? <laughs> I think that was I think that was a brilliant brilliant answer from Calypso, and I'm wondering how how do I add to that? I think I know. I mean, back to follow. Yeah, well, I think there's a couple of key points. I think there's always been, I, I've spent my career working in finance and finance technology in some way, shape, or form. And, you know, as a young um, young guy of, you know, African heritage growing up in Southeast London, um, where the idea of working for an investment bank was not really forefront of my mind. I didn't even know what investment bank was. Uh, and I really wanted to be a software developer working in video games and all these other types of industries. And actually it was the bank that gave me my first opportunity and the level of 
diversity and meritocracy that I saw in the banking technology space was significant compared to to other areas. So that's that's something that's always really struck me. Um, but I think ultimately, when I look at fintech in itself, I look at finance. There's not an organisation on the planet that doesn't provide its services in exchange for some kind of transaction. And that transaction is facilitated through some kind of mechanism that enables an exchange of value. And often what you'll see is that that exchange of value is financial. And that at one point was the purview of the banks only, and the banks did a good job in facilitating that exchange of value. But um, it took a while for us to go from you know five days to three days to one day payments and a lot of those innovations that have completely transformed the landscape and completely transformed how we perceive transactional activities online and the real-time nature of that and the ability to immediately go i want this product you're going to give it to me and i'm going to give you that value for it here we go has been driven by the fintech space. And the, what you're starting to see around um, personalization around those tools, the ability to say, this is the product that is right for you because this is your financial situation. It's something that's been unheard of until now. And as we become ever more globally connected and integrated, we're going to need ever more personalized fintech products and services that increasingly will be beneath the surface that you won't see, you won't understand, but will be there and will be enabling these technologies. So to me, fintech as a product, as a product class is absolutely instrumental to us becoming a globally connected um, economy. And it's only through pushing and driving our fintech innovations that we'll actually see those achievements um, reach fulfillment or fruition and so for me to be working in the fintech space is really about pushing the boundaries of innovation in a way that connects us way beyond anything else that we ever see um so i know it's a bit of <laughs> a fluffy answer but i genuinely believe the fintech is that instrumental to everything that we do and there is not a person in this country whose life has not been impacted by some form of fintech innovation and i think it's hard to find a product category that is so integrated into everything that we do i completely agree with both of you and i think one thing that's always stood out to me is whether we're talking about financial services fintech you know cryptocurrency, financial innovation, international money transfer, there are a lot of words, there's a lot of terminology, there's a lot of products and services in this space, there's a lot of obscuring actually of what we're really talking about, which is something that's you know, essential to all of us, which is money, um, that is what's at the heart of, of all of this and no matter what your personal relationship is with, with money, it's something that everyone has a very personal stake in. Um, and like you said, it's it's massively fundamental to, to so much of our lives. Um, and so, yeah, I think fintech is is definitely where we're going to see the most change in 
across an issue that is such a sizable consideration for so many people um and and their lives um so yeah oh thank you so much for joining me on on the show um it's been so great having you and a big thanks to our listeners for listening to this episode of sideload um don't forget to follow the podcast on your favorite podcast player all you need to do is just search edelman uk and if you want to get in touch send an email to sideload at edelman.com you can reach both of our lovely guests on linkedin um i'm sure they would love to connect with you um and catch you soon